Today on Vulnerable, I get to speak with Haley Arantia. She is an actress from the Goldbergs who plays the older sister archetype that I also played and know very well, and we get to chat all about that. But did you know that Haley is also an accomplished and wonderful songwriter and singer? She was on X Factor, had a girl group for a little bit, uh, and she's really a grounded human being. She's had such a long life and career, and I really enjoyed understanding her process for just never letting anything get in her way. So take a listen on Vulnerable. I'm Christy Carlson Romano, and this is The Vulnerable Podcast. Haley, thank you so much for being here. This is really, really cool. And we've started over several times, but through technology, like in spite of technology, we are here. (laughs) (laughs) We made it work. We're going to make it work. All right. So Haley and I have been able to connect through social media. And obviously I'm a fan of her content there and her amazing acting on the Goldbergs. And her music is coming out all over the place. And she has a new a new music video, new song in Gasoline that's coming out. We have lots to chat about. You know, with Vulnerable, we love getting to know people behind what everyone knows of them. So this is exciting. I get to chat now. I'm <laughs> stoked. Thanks for having me okay. on. Of course. Thank you for making the time. You just had a table read, right? Yes. Like literally 10, 15 minutes ago. And it what? is... Such a good episode. So I'm really stoked for people to see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a big one. Yeah. Well, so this season, if people haven't heard or like caught up on what's happening last season, we announced that my character was going to have a baby. And Mm -hmm. so this episode we just read was the giving birth episode, which was, (laughs) but very funny in Goldberg way. So, oh my gosh. Goldberg is such a great show. If you haven't binged it, you need to. There's so many seasons. There's a spinoff. There's there's a like a soundtrack. There's which you're <laughs> on, and you have a rock group. And honestly, like it's just such a great feel good show. That's those kinds of shows that come along. Like I think they reinstill everybody's like faith in humanity <laughs> and television as a whole. Yeah. You know, I just. I, I love the show and am also just a big fan of you. So that's cool. I can't wait to see that one. Thank you so much. Yeah, it should be a good season. <laughs> Do you have any questions about giving birth that I can tell you from somebody who's done it twice? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Thankfully, they don't. I was worried that the writers were going to put in there that I needed to have like a whole series of scenes of like pushing because I'm yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. is that going like, to be like? But I think, imitate. Yeah, like just screaming, I guess. I don't know. But um, <laughs> thankfully, they have only little bits of that. So it's mostly just the prep leading up, I think. But I can't imagine what that experience uh, would actually be like. So so I've heard they have like birthing simulators that they strap on men and they <sighs> cannot deal with it like at all. And then the women that put it on are like, oh, yeah, like this is like my my menstrual pain and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> and it's the worst menstrual cramps ever. And then a baby comes out of you. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah. I can't, I cannot fathom what that would be like. I hope one day I can have children, but I will tell you (laughs) with how many friends I have that are recently giving birth and telling me sort of the details. I'm like, you know, maybe we, (laughs) I don't know about (laughs) all of that though. So we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. You just, it's called acting. Because you will act and you will do an amazing job. (laughs) (laughs) Just fake my way through that pregnancy. 
Yeah. And speaking of like, we, we were talking about Goldbergs and, and the whole like iconic archetype of the older sister. Mm-hmm. And we were saying, you know, I know a thing or two about that. It, you, you really do nail it though so well in that. And I'm sure you know that it's kind of hard to like be likable and yes. confident. <laughs> I like there's after 10 years of this, I'm now like, I don't know if I like Erica anymore. <laughs> but I'm also, I'm not an older sister in real life. Like I have no siblings. I get that. I get that. And so I'm like, I don't really know how it's supposed to go. I think I'm just, right. I'm playing up any mean side of me that I do have in the <laughs> script that they need. But now it's been so long that I'm like, are there any like nice qualities to Erica that I can play up? <laughs> like it gets <laughs> kind of, you know, a little redundant in that, but you get yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that like the writers eventually, they must try to write for your, you know, your sensibilities and stuff. Not that, that, not that you're mean, but like, at a certain point, did they did they come to you? I know they've come to you and been like, "Hey, let's let's sing, like let's do musical stuff." Yeah, that w- that happened kind of by me at early on in the show. They didn't know I sang, and I was like, "Hey, if I could like you know sing a song that happens in the credits." Like I didn't think they would make it a part of the character, and then it just kind of happened, which is awesome. So so awesome. There have been things that they have like. You know, Erica was the one character that wasn't based solely on a real life character. The rest of the family mm. is. And That's my, right. my character was flipped from being an older brother to an older sister. So they had a little more like leniency with what they could do. And so they've been able to do that a bit. And we've seen sides of Erica in the last couple of years that are a little more redeeming qualities, I should say. But yeah, yeah that meaner older sister thing is kind of stuck <laughs> with me for a while. Man, it gets into your casting. It gets into like everything. And then you're just like, you know, you're like, but I'm nice. Damn it. I'm nice. And I have <laughs> no, other- I'm like, am I that bad? Like, it's, it's been almost- I like you though. See, you see, too. I guess you speak my language and I see through it all if there is anything that there is to see. I don't mm. know. I don't see it as anything, but you doing a really <laughs> great job. And let's talk about Sean too. So, Sean Gimbroni. And you, are you Italian too with your last name? I'm not, it's technically Basque, so it's like Spanish. Oh, but, um, Basque. Similar part of the world, I guess, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mediterranean? Yes. I'm something like that. Ending in a vowel? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. With You have dark hair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sean, what a sweetie. Like, so I had the pleasure of working with Sean. Very short, short time, right? Like, he did yes. Kim Possible, and he was the live-action Ron Stoppable. Yep. And I just, like, how can you not love that boy? Man, he, young man. Is, I know, now he's 22, but when I tell you, I feel so bad. I still talk to him sometimes like he's 12. I'm I, sure. <laughs> can't help. He's the he's sweetest so sweet. person I've ever met in my life. Sean's, like, illegally nice. Like, I I was like, this isn't real. This This yeah. is one of those people... You're like, this isn't real. So what I always make the joke of is, do you remember the like baby man from, um, (laughs) I know that's starting off bad, but follow me. Roger Rabbit, you know, the baby that had smoked the cigar. (laughs) I picture that when he's at home and none of us know, he's like that. Because I, he's for 10 years, I've never seen him mad. I've never seen him rude. I'm like, I have my days, you know, where I'm like a little crotchety, but he is just always an angel. So I, I picture him at home being like, mom, where's the pizza? Like, <laughs> where's you know? the meatloaf? Yeah, exactly. I like, there's gotta be something else. 
Oh man, that's so nice to hear. He has a great dad too. And and it's great to see somebody that starts off that young have like, you know, good people around them. And obviously you had some really great co-stars, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you guys did lose a loved, a loved one, right? With George Seagal. Yeah. And I'm sure that must've been kind of hard on you guys, right? Like as a unit. It was a bizarre, even the way we found out was so crazy. So we mm-hmm. have so many guest stars that have come on this show and like, mm-hmm. you know, reoccurring characters that it's hard to get all of them into one episode, rare. Mm-hmm. And there was one time that it happened and it was for our finale. I want to say that was season eight finale where my mm-hmm. character gets engaged and we were all filming that day at the beach right before that scene. And it was like every guest star we've ever had was in this scene. And after we got done with it, the producers came in and they had gathered us around to tell us all something. And I thought they were going to tell us we got canceled or something. Yeah. Right. And then it was much worse. And they said, George passed away and we were just in complete shock, despite the fact that he was 83, I believe it was. And so full of life though, you know, and so. And like, and he had a surgery that he had recovered from. We had all been following and making sure he's feeling good. And it was just, no one expected it. But for all of us to be together in that moment was wild and kind of like grieving in that moment together. It was like his own ceremony or something. Yes. Like it was bizarre that we were together when we found that out. Like just statistically speaking, there was no other time that that would have happened. So, but yeah, that was a, that was a hard time for us for sure. Yeah, you become a family on sets like that when everybody kind of grows up. And like you said, like you, your character was engaged and now she's having a baby. And Sean started at like, you know, how old was he when he started? 13, technically. 13. Yeah. And like, I can't believe he's 22 now. I even feel that way. (laughs) It was like, I guess, like four years ago when I met him. Mm -hmm. But that's awesome. And I think very few people... I think can never really relate to that. Even people who worked in the business, like our journeymen type of people who do guest star and all things. It's like very different when you're at the center of a family unit for, you know, that long for that many seasons. Oh yeah. So, but let's go back to, cause we do that here. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently we do that in this interview a couple of times. <laughs> so you're from Arlington, Texas. Yes. I'm, I'm in Austin right now. Yeah. I, you live there now? I do. I've lived here. The fires got to be too much for me. I lived in OC and I was like, I think we'll we'll try something different. And so Austin's been so welcoming and just a lovely place. And we were here for that big old storm, the freeze. Oh my God. I don't know how that would have even played out. Like It, I, it was next level, right? Like yeah. you leave from the, the fires to the ice and now we're yeah. just in this straight up heat right now. We're in this huge heat wave, but you know, it's Texas and when you move to Texas, you got to be like, okay, I'm I'm in Texas. Like we hit this crazy weather here. <laughs> yeah, it's just so like unpredictable at times. Where you, it's like, oh, it should just be hot and humid. But there's times where you're like, what is happening? But it's like windy, and then like hail is coming from the sky. It's like <laughs> tornadoes. Like I don't yeah. miss that at all. Yeah, yeah, but, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. So, so you came from Texas originally. Then when did you? Because I know you started young and. You did all sorts of really cool stuff. Did you come to California early on? So I made it, I was adamant about staying in public school as long as I possibly could. I wanted a very normal upbringing. And Mm -hmm. so I stayed in public school until the middle of my junior year of high school until they said, 
we're not getting paid because your butt's not in the seat because you're leaving all the time. So we have to kick you out. And so I had to do (laughs) online schooling, but I left officially, like moved to California at 19. And that's when I Ah. booked the Goldberg. So I had come out here to do like pilot seasons and stuff prior to that, but I had not actually moved here until 19. Oh, that's probably for the best, to be honest. Like I see a lot of people like um, recently Jeanette McCurdy's book just came mm-hmm. out and there's a, there's a big buzz about, you know, the whole childhood acting thing. And, and it's interesting how gray of an area that is because I talked to so many amazing folks and like everyone has a different situation. Yeah. There's a spectrum of that. There's, you know, someone like yourself who had a really great and interesting journey with singing and your music career and even, you know, like X Factor. Yeah. And that was before you moved. Then. Yeah, I was 17 and I still lived at home. Yeah. So it's interesting how it's like, you know, somebody can do that, but you prioritized education. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like not even right place, right time. It's just like what you, <laughs> what was destined for you sort of thing. Yeah. Well, and it's crazy because I didn't know that many people growing up that were doing the same thing as me back home. I mean, there was an sure. acting school from where I'm from that is actually the place that a lot of Disney stars came out of. Weird. No way. In, in Louisville, Texas. It was like Selena Gomez went there. Demi Lovato went there. Um, What's Madison it called? Pettis. It's Kathy Sullivan's acting for film. And her son is actually Cody Lindley, who was on a lot of Disney Channel shows and things. And so she's like the person to go to out there. Cool. And so, but outside of that, I didn't know necessarily until I had moved out here and started working on the show Goldberg's. Yeah. Did I meet people who kind of were child stars growing up? And, but I think somewhere inside of me, I knew I wanted to fight the sort of like system that I, like Mm -hmm. I've, was watching a ton of things that you've obviously talked about growing up as a child star. I now have some of my closest friends were similar situations on Disney channel. And, mm-hmm. and then I'm love listen, listening to not only the podcast you did with Allison Stoner, but some of the Ugh. stuff work that she's been doing on that. Like, Ugh. it's crazy. Like there's yeah. just, it happens too much in a negative way that I feel like I'm glad people are having that conversation now. And I think I always knew I wanted to try to go against that happening. And I was very lucky to have very level-headed, supportive parents who wanted me to kind of have the best of both worlds. So how did X Factor become a thing for you? I'm really curious. I know you auditioned and everything, but what was that about? You had been singing, yes. obviously so, acting. Well, music was always my main thing. And the only reason I got into acting was because when I was 14, I'd met people who introduced me to so-and-so, so-and-so that I then met with different labels in Los Angeles and New York when I was like 14 years old. And they all at the time recommended, Hey, if you get an acting and you get a TV show, do the Hannah Montana thing where, <laughs> where you, they, they're handing out record deals over there like crazy. Oh, no. And so go do that. And I was like, okay, I have zero interest in acting. I've never taken a class, but okay, like I'll, whatever I need to do to make music work. So I went home and discovered that Kathy Sullivan was there. And she, if any, if you're going to do Disney, do it there. It happened to be literally 15 minutes from my house. So I ended up going and it was hard because acting was not at all 
ironically, what I wanted to do, nor did I understand it. And I would leave class crying, being like, I'm horrible at this. It's never going to work. But I kept doing it in pursuit of music working out. And somewhere in between all of that and then booking the Goldbergs, my mom said, hey, Simon Cowell's doing a new TV show in the United States. It's the X Factor. He's bringing it over here. You should audition. And I'm like, mom, That's awesome. I don't want to peak at 17 because what everyone does on those shows, I mean, for the most part is they audition, they get the platform for a hot second. You never hear from them again. It's true. So I really didn't want to do it, but I did it. Yeah. So my mom would stop bugging me about it. Cause she was like, come on, you love music. Like this is a cool thing. So I, yeah. I missed the in-person stuff because I was like, no. And she was like, hey, they're doing YouTube submissions. If you want to just throw it up, see what happens, like give it. I was like, okay, fine. I do this for self-tapes. Like I'll just whatever. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was physically in the audience watching the judges round in Dallas that I got a phone call randomly from the producers saying, hey, we saw your tape. We want you to audition in front of the judges in Seattle. Like, can you make it happen? And I, at that point I was like, oh, this worked like, sure. <laughs> like now I'm in, I'm down. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, but and it's so smart of you to have that sort of like level headedness, like you said, to have those sort of like, that saves so many people. If you can keep yourself one foot in one foot out like that, that's really cool. Well, cause I was nervous. Like if, if I get super far in a beautiful world on this show, like yeah. what, what next? Like when I look at the statistics of, okay, it's Carrie Underwood and Kelly Clarkson came out of American Idol that I think are still doing music. And right. Not to offend, yeah. Not to offend anyone else, but like, no, no. Who's actively doing the things that I would want to be doing. In well, that and realm. Kelly Clarkson is a singer and, and, and she's great, but she's actually known right now as like the number one talk show host. You know, it's like, Right. She's not even necessarily. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I get you. I, it's like I, I didn't want that to be the OK, well, you did it. So now no one is going to listen anymore. So I but mm -hmm. I auditioned and I got through and I was actually put into a girl group on the show, similar mm -hmm. to how Fifth Harmony and One Direction was made. Mm -hmm. And it was a bizarre experience. I learned a lot. <laughs> I'm sure you did. I learned a lot. And I and. <laughs> I would actually say I learned a lot of really sad, negative things about the business over positive things. Okay. And I think that about the music, about the music business or both, because okay. when you're making a TV show at the end of the day, that takes priority over you being a talent of any kind in their eyes. And that goes in my opinion and my experience across the board for any musical show that I think when you're, what's a shame about those shows is they don't value the people from bum F forever who have no other outlet to be able to try to make it work in the industry. And they come to this and they just get chewed up in the system because they don't really care about you as the artist. They just yeah. want content for their show. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, I've been on multiple shows with this experience. And I feel like it's just very produced, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, produced moments, content sort of mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And so as much as I, <laughs> I love that I did that experience because I met lifelong friends, you know, I did yeah. have positive experiences, but there was a lot I learned about it that I'm like, okay, well, I'm very glad I was put into a girl group because had I not been, I feel like it would, that way I at least was hidden within the mask of another name rather than. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, there it is, you know? So yeah. 
that was an experience. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, someday the book you'll write. That would be awesome. I mean, to live through anybody. And I know, I know a few people who like did the girl group thing Mm -hmm. and have lived to tell the story (laughs) of it or not told the story. Really. It's like, you can imagine like having that many talented females who came in hoping to be solo acts and who are, you know, sort of have their own upbringings and, and yeah, to not have sort of a support system and really just be there by proxy to prop up the hosts and the, and the ratings and all that. Like, you know, you, it's it's almost got that like Love Island kind of thing. You're yeah. like, but wait, this is about this is my time to shine. Totally. That's that's really frustrating. But I'm I, that's amazing that you even stayed level headed with all that. And now, so you came. So after X Factor, you came to LA, and and Goldberg's kind of happened. Like, what exactly happened? So right after X Factor was over, there were three of us that wanted to continue on as the group, and one of us had already left. Now, mind you, the girls and I, we all ended totally fine. Like, we love each other. There's no hard feelings, which was great. And I think in some cases, unique for girl groups. But she wanted to leave and pursue something else. And we tried it for like a year after that. Did like very small performances here and there. But that was its own experience because we were all on separate sides of the country. One of us was in New Jersey. One of us was in Texas. And one was in California. So physically it was very hard to be a group (laughs) Um, just from where we were geographically. But then after that, I just went back into auditioning for things because I was like, I'll do what I was doing before and try to appease what labels were telling me I needed to do in order to be successful in music as a solo artist. So started auditioning for shows again. And I came up to this pilot season that year and literally got out of the car and had to put myself on tape for this, which was at the time called How the F Am I Normal? And it ended up being the Goldbergs. The crazy part being I was literally hours away from signing a hold agreement with somebody else who was the creator of a very large Disney Channel show. (laughs) Literally moments away from signing it when my agent said, wait, but there's this audition for an ABC sitcom. Like, will you just put yourself on tape before you sign your life away? And I was like, okay. Interesting. And a holding deal with a creator so that he could shop your name with one of his shows or yes. his or her shows? And the ironic part being that he did had um, burned relationships within Disney Channel that it would most likely not even be going to that platform. It was a big yeah, yeah, yeah. question mark. However, he was such a big name with a big show successfully behind him that it was like, I got nothing else going for me. Like, I will ride off the coattails of whatever. And you want to make a project where I get to sing and act in it. This is a perfect situation for me. You know? Right. Yes. So, Why not? Yeah. And I, I was right. stoked to have that kind of opportunity. And again, it played into the whole thing of labels want you to have that show with a date. There you go. Yeah, but didn't sign the agreement because I auditioned and just kept getting callbacks. And I'm like, is this working? <laughs> like, am I, <laughs> am I about to book this pilot? And having no idea if it would get past the pilot. But we're now in our 10th season, which is insane. Dude, I love, again, I love your perspective and how just like downright chill you are about everything. <laughs> like, and I don't mean like chill, like, you know, like, you know, yeah. hippie chill. I mean, like, it is just so refreshing to speak to somebody who's not LA, if that means. <laughs> Thank <anything>. you. I <laughs> greatly appreciate that compliment. I mean it. I really do. And so, and speaking of being out of LA, like your ties to sort of country music and Nashville and also 
like Nashville as a whole, because I know that you have like house flipping and stuff like <laughs> I want to get into sort of this other side of your life that is outside of, you know, still outside of Hollywood. So do you love Nashville or what do you have a home there? You have homes there, but I, I have a, a place there that is mine. Mm-hmm. And the reason we did that was because I was just going enough to songwrite with people that I'm like, this is just a one, a financial investment because my family's always been like in real estate. Yeah. Okay. But it was also just because physically I can have somewhere I can always go a landing pad. And, and I do love Nashville. Um, I was going, you know, for the last 10 years, I actually, before my LA journey even started, the reason I met with all of those labels to begin with when I was 14, I had met some really incredible songwriters, um, Tim and Angela Lauer, who are based mm-hmm. in Nashville at a seminar, a songwriting seminar in Dallas. And they were like, hey, you've got something. Do you want to come with your parents to Nashville and songwrite with us? And we can see if like, you know, you like it and what we come up with. And that experience led me to meeting so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so who led to my manager who introduced me to the labels, to the creator who was trying to get me that show for the hold agreement. Like, so it all kind of connected from Nashville and Mm. through music. So over just the course of the last decade, I've been going and songwriting enough that that's just kind of been a place that felt more like home for a long time than um, LA did. Yeah, I'm sure. LA is very hard to make friends. <laughs> I don't know if anyone said that before, but um, it's that's yeah, tough. it is hard. So I yeah. it felt like you know Nashville. It's a little bit of that southern hospitality mm-hmm. friendliness, but there's mm-hmm. an industry there still that um, sure is good in between for me. And I'll tell you what, real estate. Gosh, do I wish I would have invested. <laughs> I mean, it is like who would have thought it. It's to the point now where actually we have not bought a flip in a while because the market is just too too to inspect it's it. too high. Insane. Like seriously, I was I was trying to purchase here in Austin and this bubble in this interest rates and like everything else it's just become you know, for me I never really understood investment mm-hmm. in real estate and I I really blew a lot of my money in my 20s. <laughs> and so I I do think it's really great that financial fluency is not only just is it the mental health stuff that we're talking about more with young performers mm-hmm. in music and TV, but when it comes to stuff like real estate and passive income, I feel like that's becoming so much more normalized and and look like this is this is something that I think there will be guidebooks from people like Allison Stoner yes. and myself that in moving forward, there will be more data collected. And and so when I hear that you say that, you know, real estate was a part of your upbringing as well, that's like, that doesn't surprise me because when you are raised to think about a B plan like that, or like that there are things outside of, you know, waiting for that music deal or waiting for that show, mm-hmm. like it, it must be helpful like to not doubt yourself as much as some people do. Yeah. Well, I think for me, it was just always one. I have parents that are incredible and they were, are the reason that I have been so financially conscious, I guess. And I've always known and will continue to feel that even though I've been working on this show for 10 years, I have actually felt more like let's save up and prepare for the fact that I won't work again for 10 years then, mm-hmm. oh, I'm booking a movie right after that. Like, that's so ignorant in my mind to live currently knowing other friends of mine who have had this kind of thing happen to them for me to be like, oh, but I'm the exception. So 
I just, I've been way perspective kids. (laughs) It's like, I've tried so hard to make sure that I am being conscious about that because I want to make sure I live comfortably for the next 15 years rather than the next two years. So, you know, I I wish, I wish we would have been besties (laughs) when I was in my twenties. That's for damn sure. It's funny because I have friends in the industry who are still not that way. And I sit them down and I'm like, I want to shake you and tell you to stop (laughs) buying the Italian chair that's $4,000 for no reason. Go to living spaces. And I swear to you, you'll be okay. Oh my God. That's amazing. It, like, you're the best, you're the best friend that anyone could have. Uh, like in a way. I can tell you that. It's, they don't deserve you, Haley. I know. That's why I keep flying out of here. I'm like, I don't get it. I, I guess I just, it's a different kind of mentality. It doesn't mean that you can't live that way, I guess. But I just, for me in my life, I want to try to make that as uh, the longevity of it as possible. You well, know? like, like I'm saying, like, it's like, you don't have that desperate feeling that makes people, especially people who are creatives, think in a very saltifying different way where they're like, I have to do this. I have to. And it leads them down some really dark roads. You know, your, your personal value kind of gets sort of all sorts of wonky and every audition then becomes so much more a dictator of your, you know, like mm-hmm. your confidence level. And so you're on a path that really makes sense. And then w- when did you start f- like flipping then? Yeah. Is that through the last couple of years? Yeah. I'm just like, we invest my family. I feel like we're like, Hey, what's another thing we can add that will stress That's us awesome. out for six months. So <laughs> my dad has always since, you know, before I was born, he's invested in real estate and flipped like in really small ways, starting from like his hometown in Montana, then a couple in Dallas growing up. Uh, but it wasn't ever like a huge business. It was kind of just as we go. And mm-hmm. once I started going to Nashville, he realized like there's some a good market for this because it's starting to pick up here. Mm-hmm. So I credit him to all of that. And cool. he just thought, you know, we're making money from the show. Like, why don't we invest it and do a flip here or there and see what happens? And around the time that he started really looking into seriously doing it, I fell in love with interior design. And I'm not great at it, but like, I mean, I, I'm for sure not a professional, but it's very fun for me. It's just another creative thing. Mm-hmm. So I've just kind of been like, okay, well, dad, if you're going to do it, as much as I love my father, he is really great at business, but he is not one for design. He doesn't really care yeah. that there's an aesthetic no. or a flow of things. <laughs> and But me yeah. and my mom do. So we've kind mm-hmm. of made this sort of family business where my mom's actually a real estate agent now. And she's the one that does all the research and the comps and the finding and the things. And dad's the budget guy. And I'm kind of the like vibes. So I'm like, oh, that's a great (laughs) font for the front door. Like, so it really. Amazing. That's so fun. Well together. Yeah. That is, that is seriously goals. (laughs) That is goals. (laughs) It's great. Especially coming. I'm the same way, by the way. I'm obsessed with aesthetic. I'm obsessed with home decor. Transparently, like I was about to buy a home. And so I started designing that home and I did everything from like loading up spoke to just using Canva to, you know, just like really obsessing over everything. So I get that. I speak that language Mm -hmm. and it's, it is cathartic. How much of your time do you spend? Like, would you say that's your, your favorite hobby, even though it's now sort of more or less a second job, third job? No, I would say it was a hobby, but I will tell you at one point, Last year, I was looking into, and I think I actually paid the fee to get in originally to interior design school. (laughs) 
because I was already like, okay, if the show's ending, I have nothing coming up. I'm going to like, I'm (laughs) I'm switching career paths already. I love that. But like ahead of the game, I didn't end up doing it because I just quite literally didn't have the time because I was somehow magically getting other things. I do love it. And I would say it as a hobby. I I'm slowly going to start doing things here to my, this house I just moved in two years ago and there's a couple things we could, you know, play with and look yeah. here or there. But yeah, I would say that, and I like creative crafting things. So for me, that's just a really great outlet to be able to, to do that. That's very cool. And speaking of other things, like you were saying, I remember not too long ago, you had the most adorable, <laughs> I don't know if adorable is the word I would say, <laughs> but really awesome Christmas movie. Oh. <laughs> that came out. And I thought it was hilarious. I thought the premise of it was hilarious. And I thought the execution of it looked great. Thank and you. just you sort of being the, to me, the main character was like a victory for all of us older sister archetypes. Thank you. <laughs> like, you know, I, I thought it was awesome. And like, what are your goals in the industry now? I mean, otherwise, we'll talk about music as well soon. Mm-hmm. But like, in terms of acting, have you, after this long, are there different characters that you now want to sort of play? Are there other things in the acting world that you would want to get to? Yeah. I mean, I have had very limited experience in the acting world. I think technically I've only done three independent movies and then this show. So I want to be able to like dip my toe into other things. And, and I don't, I've never felt like, okay, well then where's the lead in this movie across from Brad Pitt? Like I never have anticipated because I still (laughs) feel so green in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm like, put me on as a guest star for somebody else's show. Like, let me just play around. You need to be a doctor. Yeah. yeah like just <laughs> literally a dope doctor. anything else. Yeah. I would challenge myself to do that, but I will say, I feel like I still kind of get that typecast, like high school older sister role. Cause I guess I still look like I can do that where I'm like, I feel like I'm getting up there though. So <laughs> when's this going to shift? But yeah, for me, I, I think. I want to really play some more dramatic roles. I do love comedy though. And however, I feel like the kinds of comedies that I would love to be a part of are not necessary. They're kind of dying given the culture of things. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I love a Seth Rogen and I don't know how many more things he can you know, you know what I mean? That kind of, with, yeah. yeah, there's certain kinds of humor that I feel like I'd, it would be so fun to be in those kinds of movies. But I also am like, I don't know how many people are making those anymore. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, the kind of stoner comedy yes. that's on the borderline offensive. Yeah, and, like, you know. would love one of those. Uh, I yeah. know that sounds horrible, but it's just like, that's the kind of stuff I grew up with that I think it would be yeah. fun to work with those kinds of- uh, But also when you think of the Goldbergs and like the type of comedy greats that are around you, like they come from a different era. The sensibilities of the Goldbergs, I can relate to with even Stevens. Mm-hmm. We had a very, like, we actually had a lot of induendo on that show mm-hmm. that a lot of people remark on now. But <laughs> since it lived on Disney Channel, it was like, it was all sort of- Went over uh, our heads, yeah shrouded by naivete but like we had those sort of like Malcolm in the middle wonder years like all of that sort of lived there and those sensibilities with Goldbergs is even is way funnier and (laughs) I think it's such a smart comedy that travels with you now as a talent in your acting space so it will be really cool to see what you do and I think it would just take the right agent frame of mind to be like no you're gonna see Haley for Grey's Anatomy you're gonna see her for you know 
NYPD Blue or whatever it is, because totally. she can be so many more things. And I mean, that's great. You know, I mean, I, I'm rooting for you Thanks. to do that. And they're dumb if they don't see that. Um, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Throwing shade. Yeah. Throwing shade. <laughs> so, okay. So music wise, though, I, are you are you signed? Like what's going on with that? Because you should be. The catch 22 of my life is that <laughs> after meeting with those labels at 14 and not having any interest in acting and landing my first, first of all, my first, um, not callback. What is it? The, uh, I've never done one since then. So I'm forgetting the name. Test. Yes. Screen test. test. First, yeah, there you go. first screen test of all time, uh, is now turned into a, one of the longest running sitcoms ever. <laughs> I cannot get a label to consider me in the slightest. So I did all of that for, uh, now it being the argument of, well, you don't really have the time to focus on music because seven months out of the year is on this show. So we don't really want to invest in the kind of an artist that, and I'm like, okay, so. It's, it's always going to be something. Yeah. And I think that it, what's interesting about the timing of it though, is now people will tell you, oh, don't sign a record deal. Like you don't want to mm-hmm. do that. They're going to kind of go against whatever it is that you're feeling as an artist because they feel like they need to check a box with this now or right. tell you what to do here or there. Or they'll shelf you even, and then you'll have nothing you can make. So if anything, be independent. But right. as much as that's great, there is a part of me that really loves collaboration in that world because in music, and I know every independent musician listening would be able to relate you take on not only being the songwriter, the singer, the artist, and possibly a producer if you're producer. in the room, mm-hmm. but you're also taking on marketing and public, like publicity stuff. Where I, at one point, before I was able to, you know, bother my friend who's a talented artist that can make my cover art, I was making my own on Canva, and I'm like. Right and stressing myself out to no end, trying to come up with social media content where I'm like, right. I, you so know, stressful. it's so stressful because it's like, yeah. I think there's something I'm working on now is feeling like it has to look a certain way to the world because right. I'm on a sitcom that is successful. In my mind, people expect a certain level of quality to the rest of things that come out in entertainment for me. And when they don't live up to label service level, I'm really hard on myself. Oh, so, like that's been the biggest, most difficult part of being independent of, is like letting sure. go of the perfectionist aspect of things and being like, I am making this on my own. My fiance and I are making all of my music videos now literally by ourselves that, you know, it's at the end of the day, I have to let go of it being like, okay, you don't have $20 million you're plugging into this music video because there's not a label behind you. You know, you're like, yeah. So it's way harder. But at the end of the day, I am making the music that I want to make. And I'm telling the stories that I want to tell. And there's not anybody else that can be like, no, you can't, or we're not going to let you release that. I'm doing it when and how I want to. That's amazing. And I mean, I think you'll be learning so much as you make more and more music videos and as you're growing your repertoire of of solo music that's out on YouTube. I mean, I'm I'm just speaking from a place of making content either through YouTube and now TikTok, right? Cuz I 
Yeah. You're on my FYP and that's how we connected. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was like, click follow immediately. Cause I've just, I've just always loved you. Um, Too. can't explain it, but now <laughs> I love you even more. And so I was like, really genuinely happy to see you there. And like TikTok is one of those, I've had, you know, more and more TikTok people come on this podcast because I know the conversation I'm going to have with them isn't going to be fake or just a plug for their next thing or like, you know, some prescriptive dance around the bush kind of conversation. It's like, I know their personalities based on the content that they're, you know, becoming viral in. And mm -hmm. so there's authenticity there that doesn't exist in other, you know, yes, platforms. platforms. And, you know, because they are so controlled by, you know, sponsor A, B, or network C. Like, it's just... There's a lot more red tape now in, you know, just posting on Instagram. You, you, it's, it's, I just don't even, I'm not even posting anymore really over there Me because too. it's just like you get performance anxiety. You're like, this just, I can't do like, this. It's not this is just perfect enough. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go to TikTok where I can filter lists, like just, you know, what, be make, myself, make and a fart joke and no one's going to be like, yeah. Ew. like, you know, no, they love it. They love it because they're like, my person is here, you know, yeah. and it's like, that's, that is why hopping on platforms in an early places is, is good. But then I think TikTok is, I personally really like TikTok, but I know there's people out there that hate it. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, no. But if not TikTok, then what? Then you know what I'm saying? Like we live in a very connected place and you're either going to be a part of that or you're going to, you're going to feel what it's like to not be a part of it. And that's just your reality. And that's for some people necessary if they're like, you know, they have their anxiety and they have all that thing. But for us, it is almost like a necessary evil. And so are you going to continue utilizing platforms like TikTok to sort of connect with your fans for your music? Do you feel like it's been helpful? The funny part about, I mean, I love TikTok. And by the way, I am the friend that <laughs> all of my friends know this when they come over and a lot of them don't have TikTok. They don't get it. They don't understand it. It's overwhelming <laughs> to learn. I will literally... If you get me started, we'll spend an hour talking to them about the benefits of TikTok, not mentally, emotionally, spiritually, yes. or your music if you're a musician. Like, just I will rant about it. And they're like, okay, Haley, just let me drink my wine and let's talk about like <laughs> the latest episode of whatever. But I love it. And it was a platform that I immediately felt like I could be myself on mm. and not mm -hmm. be judged for it. Um, and even mm -hmm. if they did, I think that there's more people that feel like they relate and understand than not. So I will definitely continue to be using that as the main platform to, you know, express my personality, my music, my art, whatever it is. But it's funny yeah. how with the algorithm or whatever it be, music is not translated the same way for me as far as mm. other content will, whether it's me and my fiance just being silly with each other or Goldberg content. Yeah. And that can be, a, I mean, a little frustrating at times when you come back to the whole independent artist, you're doing it yourself thing. But yeah, I've kind of come to the point of like, I'm just letting it be whatever it is and I'm having fun making it. And if people resonate with it, that's great. But it'll yeah. be a place that I, yeah, it'll just be a place <laughs> that yeah. I can like have fun on always. So important to the future of what you could create rather than getting bogged down with what is and Living in that possibility is just so wonderful to see you, you be doing 
you be doing. You be doing. <laughs> you be doing. You be doing you. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, like we do have our new song coming out, which I'm starting to think maybe I you, I should, if you put it as a sound and figure out a dance. Yeah. Then I will do that dance for you on my TikTok. That would be it's amazing. Okay, I got. Let's do it. I got to figure out a dance. Yeah, let's do it. That would be. I'm incredible. down. I will do it. I promise you. I will. I will do it. I will post it. I will support. Thank you. I mean, it's. I. I'm really excited about this next wave of music because. Okay. I've been leaning a little away from country, but that's the mm-hmm. thing is I hate. I every time someone's like, "Oh, what genre is?" It? I'm like. Uh, like I cringe up because I'm like, just listen to it. And if you hate it, you don't have to keep listening. That's all I, that's all I'm going to say. But for me, if I had to say it would probably be leaning a little more pop, which I've always loved. And since the pandemic, I, I haven't been able to travel to Nashville and write with other people. I've been writing with just me and a piano. And that's how this right. song started. It actually started as a ballad, which I will be offering the stripped kind of ballad version in a month or mm-hmm. two. But mm-hmm. I wanted to flip it on its head and challenge my music and try to make it sound upbeat and happy, which is kind of the juxtaposition of what the whole song is about, like it being a complicated relationship of sorts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really stoked to finally be like releasing music that is just totally raw me. I'm not having other songwriters kind of chime in. And the ones that are yeah. on this song are my fiance. He's the one who came up with a line in the song that I was like, I need to write a song about that. So he gave me a line that I was like, this is incredible. And then my producer was helping me kind of shape what the chorus is. And he, in my opinion, has one of the better lines in the song as well. So I'm letting it be less about like, help me build out the whole thing and trusting myself to be able to go, no, I know what I want to say, but maybe there's just somebody who can shave off a couple of things and feel like elevated. So I'm I'm excited for this new like, era of music, I guess. (laughs) I am too, honestly. So this is Gasoline, right? And it's coming out Friday? Friday. Yeah. Friday the 12th. Yeah. And if we're, you know, if we're putting this out a little bit later, you should definitely go check it out on your YouTube, right? Yeah. And we will be dancing to it on TikTok. So you should join the trend. (laughs) Hashtag (laughs) Gasoline. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. And what like a, what a timely time. To like have a song about gas. My right? dad literally said, well, when you post the like cover art, will you say, hey, gas is 99 cents again and they can go to iTunes and buy it or whatever. I'm like, oh, first- that's so genius. Yes. I'm like, good Dad's good point, got dad. the jokes. Yeah, he does. Dad's got the dad jokes. He sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. I want him to adopt me. <laughs> well, Haley, honestly, thank you so much for the, all your time. And obviously, if you've had your table read today, you're probably tired. And I really enjoy talking to you you too and where can everybody find you oh yeah i'm on all social media tiktok especially <laughs> Haley Rantia, and uh, my music too is just under my name Haley Rantia, on pretty much all streaming platforms amazing yeah. great you heard it here go support our friend Haley because she is a badass thank you so much christy Vulnerable is hosted by me, Christy Carlson Romano, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham and executive produced by Brendan Rooney. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham and our video editor is Eduardo Gamba. Follow Vulnerable wherever you listen to podcasts so you can join me every week for a vulnerable conversation. And be sure to follow Vulnerable on Instagram and TikTok at The Vulnerable Podcast. And make sure to tune in to my YouTube to watch the video version. Oh, 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 oh.
you need parts, O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh. 